0: That's an interesting word, belong. If you were to look that up in the dictionary, you would see that there's many definitions. Uh, I've listed a few there on the screen. And one is to be in relationship as a member, an inheritant, an inhabitant, uh, to have proper qualifications, to be a member of a group, and then to properly or appropriately be placed. Now, if you were to think about these definitions, you would see that all of them could apply when it comes to our relationship with Jesus Christ. The fact that we belong is a God thing. God created us to be in relationship with one another. He put that as a part of us as, as a human being. And what we have seen in the last uh, Two years. This coming uh, March will be two years since the pandemic started. The fact is, is we have seen uh, isolation. Uh, We have seen that isolation brings about fear. It brings about doubt. It also brings about loneliness and even brings about paranoia. We have seen over these last number of months those who have dealt with paranoia, thinking that the world is pressing in on them because they have been isolated for so long. The relationships have suffered, these relationships that God has created us to be a part of. But unfortunately, because of sin and the fall of man, we often do not surrender to Christ but when we surrender to Christ and when we put ourselves totally in his being into Christ so that Christ restores that relationship we are reunited reconnected we are joined again we are properly placed in the right relationship through Christ with God the Father we belong. We belong. One of the most important questions that you will ever ask yourself, that you will ever have to answer for yourself is, do I belong to Christ? And if you belong to Christ, as Second Corinthians 1.20 says, every promise that God has given... Every single promise that God has given is yours in Jesus Christ. Now, I did not say that everything you want and everything that you desire and that every prayer that you pray is going to be answered the way you want. What I said was, what the Scripture says is, every promise that God has made is yours in Jesus Christ. And we need to claim it. We need to live into it because if we belong to Christ, we have been reconciled. Our sins are forgiven. We are in fellowship with him. And we know that if we were to die today, absent from the body is to be with the Lord. That we are his. We belong to him. Eternal life is assured. Do you belong to Christ? Many will say yes. I invited Jesus to be into my life during a vacation Bible school. Yes. I prayed the sinner's prayer. Yes. My pastor told me if I would just pray that I could be with the Lord forever. Yes. And that is great. That is is fantastic. If that prayer that you prayed, if you have totally surrendered your life, if you have totally made not only Jesus Christ your Savior, but you have made him your Lord, thanks be to God. But there are many, unfortunately, that say this prayer, that say that they have surrendered their life to Christ but they have never made him Lord over their life. They have never called him Lord. And based on that, the only thing that we can base our belief, our belonging in Christ, is through what the Scriptures tell us. So Paul in Romans 8 This entire chapter helps us to understand the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write these words so that we would have assurance, so that we would know that we belong to Christ. Not only for this time, but for eternity. Paul begins, as we looked at last week, with this wonderful statement Therefore, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, the Lord. He goes on to say, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. That new life in the Holy Spirit imparts in you freedom from this condemnation and the results of your sin. God's own son, Jesus, bore the penalty for you and I that the law demands. So that righteousness would be made perfect through him in us. As God looks at us, he looks at us as justified and righteous before him. Paul goes on to talk about walking in the flesh or walking in the spirit And he says, do not set your minds on the things of the flesh, but set your minds on the things of the Spirit, those who have justified themselves. Those who have been justified are free in Christ. Those who have not been justified are in a state of spiritual death and spiritual separation. These next verses that will be on the screen, verses 9, 10, and 11 this morning that I want us to look at are important as it flows from verses 1 through 8 that we looked at last week. And I want you to hear these verses. However, you are not in the flesh but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ... He does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, for you are our strength and our redeemer. I pray, Father, that you would illuminate our hearts and minds this morning for what you would hold for us through this, your holy word. We pray this in your name. Amen. And so Paul says, however, here, he is is moving and wants us to understand that new birth takes place. As we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we have this indwelling spirit. However, he says, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone is not, does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him, Paul says. We have trusted in Christ and our place, our position, as I said in that definition, our position has changed. We are no longer of the world, but we are of Christ. We no longer are to live in the flesh, according to the flesh, influenced by the flesh. We are to live in the spirit and be ruled by him and by his spirit. And so I'm going to take some time this morning in looking at verse 9. We're going to look at 10 and 11, and they are important. But I want to focus on verse 9 this morning uh, for the most part of the time that we have. And this verse 9, you are in the Spirit if the Spirit of God dwells in you. And I want to tell you it. Everyone. It marks everyone who belongs to Christ having this indwelling spirit. Charles Spurgeon, on verse 9, says this. He, he said that uh, one of the most solemn texts in the whole Bible is verse 9. And this is what he said. It is so sweeping. It deals with all of us. And it deals with the most important point about us. For to belong to Christ is the most essential thing for time and eternity. It's the most essential thing for time and eternity. And so this morning, I want us to see that it is absolutely vital to have the Spirit of God dwelling in us. Because if you do not have the Spirit of God dwelling in you, you do not belong to Christ. Let that sink in. As we have seen, Paul divides this text into two categories. Those who are in the flesh and those that are in the spirit. There is not a third category of carnal Christians. Carnal Christians who claim that Jesus Christ is their Savior, but they have never claimed that he is Lord. This process of being Transformed into the image of Christ is a process. It is an ongoing process in our life that we go through as we draw closer to Him. It is a lifelong process. Every true Christian is involved in this process of becoming more and more like Christ. But if the direction of your life is not Jesus, if He is not Lord, If you have not submitted to him your life, then you may want to ask a few questions. Are you living in the flesh? Are you listening, as Bruce said, to those things of the world? Are there people and Satan that is whispering in your ear to bring disunity about you and about your relationship with others? Ask the question, are you hostile towards God, or are you pleasing Him? And here's an important one. Are you subjecting yourself to His Word? Are you listening to Christ's Word and what the Holy Spirit has for you? Being a Christian is not just a matter of going to church or believing in Christian doctrines or living by certain moral standards. And of course, we as true Christians want to do that. We want to live into that true doctrine. We want to live into being in church and worship. We want to live into the moral standards that God has given us. But what is vital is to understand that we have to be born again. We have to be born again. You remember Nicodemus. Dave alluded to it on Wednesday night, talked about Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was that Pharisee, that ruler, that Jew, and you could not say that Nicodemus didn't go to church. In fact, Nicodemus was in the temple several times a day praying. He didn't forsake his observance of worshiping the Lord daily, by going over to the Jordan and seeing if he could catch some fish. Talk about believing certain doctrines. Nicodemus had memorized the Hebrew Scriptures. He could quote to you what God had given the nation of Israel. And not to mention morality, this man was scrupulous about his attention to the Ten Commandments and living a moral life. But yet, the opening words of Jesus to Nick at night, as Nick comes to him at night in John 3.3, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He goes on to say in verse 7, Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. And many of us know the story of Nicodemus. 1 Peter 1.3, Peter spoke the same words, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us, and there's that word, to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So when we are born again, the Holy Spirit is imparted to us and takes up residence in us. Did you hear that, church? He takes up, he being part of the triune God, he takes residence in us when we are born again. It's a matter of spiritual life or death. It's a matter of the indwelling spirit or not. There's not another choice. There's not another place to be. You either have the indwelling spirit or not. You're living a spiritual life with Christ or you're living a death because you have been separated from God. As a follower of Christ, we must yield ourselves more and more, giving God control over our life, giving God, uh, as we surrender, Everything that we, are, we have. We are commanded in Galatians 5.16 that we are to walk by means of the Spirit. In Ephesians 5.18, it says that we are to be filled by the Spirit. And that Greek word there also means to be controlled by the Spirit. So we yield control to the Holy Spirit of our life as we walk in this world with Him. If we have been born again, And we trust Jesus Christ as Lord. We have received the Holy Spirit. And that does not mean that we receive the Holy Spirit over and over. You have to keep asking for it. No. When you have come to faith in Jesus Christ and he has imputed the Holy Spirit into you, you have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in you continually. Look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6. Verses 19 and 20, they'll be on the screen. Paul combines this idea of in the indwelling Holy Spirit and belonging to Christ. He says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? You see, you see the indwelling Spirit there as Paul opens that sentence. Whom you have from God. God has imputed that into you as you have come to him. And He's." It says, that you are not, or do you know that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. And so here we see, just in, in this particular verse, the indwelling Holy Spirit, and that we belong to Christ, that this works together. Can you imagine what the church would look like? if everyone lived into the indwelling holy spirit this surrender to god that we would say i am not my own but i belong to christ my tongue is not my own to use to yell at my family or my coworker i will use it to glorify god my eyes are not my own to look lustfully at anyone else. I will use my eyes to glorify Christ. My money is not my own to use just as I please. I will use it to glorify Christ. My time is not my own for frivolous fibr- uh, pursuits or to squander away. I will use my time to serve and to glorify Christ. You see, it's a life-transforming principle that it's less of us and more of him as we surrender. And the indwelling Holy Spirit not only fills us, but helps to lead us in our life. Now, there are those that would say, what does the Holy Spirit feel like, or what does it look like, and is it that warm, gushy feeling, or is it that tingly feeling, or is it something of a a feeling, and people have said, I walk into Hope Church, and I can feel the presence of the Lord moving in that place, and that is great, I do too. It's great that the Lord would move in this place among us and around us and through us in all that we do. But the question is, do you feel the Holy Spirit in you moving? Do you feel the indwelling of the Holy Spirit? It's just not marked by what's around us. It's about what is in us. There are distinguishing marks that we can tell if the Holy Spirit is dwelling in us. After speaking with Nicodemus about new birth, Jesus drew, drew an analogy in this text in the third chapter of John, and he talks about, uh, and David again mentioned it Thursday, on Wednesday, that, uh, about the wind and the Holy Spirit. He says, um, you, know, you see the wind and its effects, and then think about it this way. If you took a piece of paper and, um, you know, I laid it on the platform here, and all of a sudden it just started flying around, would in your mind, would you think that this piece of paper grew wings and just started flying like a bird? What you would assume is that either the heating air conditioning system or me walking by it created some wind to move this. It didn't move by itself and so we know that a piece of paper doesn't blow by itself we know that wind blows it and when it comes to the spirit we can't see that spirit as you can't see what is moving the paper tangibly but you see the paper move and thus we see the Holy Spirit move we see the effects of the Holy Spirit move and so in Romans 8 In just a minute, we're going to look at 10 different pieces, 10 different ways that you can see if the Holy Spirit moves. But I want to do something first. I thought about putting it on the screen, but um, if you are here for Sunday school and you want these references again, uh, I'll be glad to give them to you. But I want you to see what Paul does in Romans 8 as he talks about the work of the Spirit. In verse 2, he says the Spirit sets us free from the law of sin and death. In verse 6, he says he gives new life and peace. In verse 11, which we haven't gotten to yet, or we'll get to in a few minutes, uh, the Spirit will raise our mortal bodies. In verse 13, enables us to kill sin. In verse 16, testifies to us that we are children of God. In verse 26, the Holy Spirit helps us to pray. And if we were to go back and look at verse 7 and 8 and contrast it, in other words, flip it, that verse says that you can't understand or please God if you do not have the Spirit. If you flip that, the Spirit reconciles us to God and enables us to submit to His Word and to please Him. That's what the Holy Spirit does. So how can you tell if you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you? I'm going to give you one negative, and I'm going to give you nine positives. And I promise it's not going to take an hour. It's going to take about maybe ten minutes to go through these ten pieces. I'm going to go through them very quickly. The first one will take just a little bit longer than the others. And the first is the negative. Speaking in tongues is not a sign that you have the indwelling Holy Spirit. And... I must point out that some denominations claim that speaking in tongues is a sign that you have the Holy Spirit, but Paul tells us in Corinthians that not everyone receives the gift of tongues. And so if you did not receive the gift of tongues, are you saying that because you didn't receive that gift, you don't have the indwelling Holy Spirit? And if you say that, then you're going against Scripture. Now, is there a gift of tongues? Yes. And that gift of tongues comes along with interpretation. Now, I do believe that there is a prayer language that God gives some people, but that is just only between God and that person. It is not for the body. The tongues, the gift of tongues, is for the edification and the building up of the body, and it's interpreted because God has a message that he is going to share through that tongue. That God gives and so not everyone or put it this way speaking in tongues is not a sign that the Holy Spirit dwells in you there are those that are at times have spoken in tongues but yet have admitted that they have fabricated that instead of it being a true gift but I do believe in the gift of tongues when God chooses to use that for his edification. Secondly, and now we'll go into these pretty quickly, of how you can tell if the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you. And number two is you have experienced new birth. You may not know the exact time when you came to Jesus Christ. You may have not necessarily had that um, uh, just wonderful breaking experience where uh, you just fell and and had that uh, experience that you hear some speak of having. But you know that you have been changed. You know in your heart that you are not a God-hater, but you are a God-lover. God has changed you, transformed you because of the new birth that you have. He changed you from trusting in yourself, in your own goodness, in your own deeds, to trusting in him, trusting in him so that you will please God and you will love others and you will serve him. The experience of new birth, your life has changed. And your desire is to live in peace, not only with God, but with others. You know that you belong to Jesus. Number three, you are drawn to Jesus Christ and you desire to know him and honor him. If the Spirit lives in you, you have a desire to know him more to worship him more, to study him more, for him to be more real in your life. You are drawn to Jesus. Number four, you have been flooded with God's love so that you have hope in him. Your hope is not in the things of this world. You're not placing your salvation in anything that this world has to offer. You're placing your salvation in God. He has flooded you with his love. And we know that God has called us to love him and to love others. And that is where your hope finds. You find hope in him as the Holy Spirit dwells with you. Number five, you regard Scripture as his word of truth, and you are growing to understand it. The Scriptures tell us that the Holy Spirit helps us to understand the Word, that those that are outside, those that are outside of the body of Christ do not know the Lord, do not have the indwelling Holy Spirit, that they do not understand Scripture, they do not have uh, the the Word of Truth that helps them to understand through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Truth, knowing that the Holy Spirit inspired All scripture. And so God gives us his written word and gives us the Holy Spirit for understanding. Six, if the Holy Spirit dwells in you, his fruit is growing in your life and the deeds of the flesh are diminishing. Fruit takes time. You see a plant that's um, um, planted and we See, the fruit began to to grow and to flourish, and over time it comes to fruition. And that's the way it is with us. With the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, the fruit should continue to be growing in us. We should be growing in love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness. We should be growing in faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5. In fact, the very nature of God should be growing in us and the things of the flesh should be diminishing seven the holy spirit dwells in you you should be growing with a hatred of sin and a love of holy of holiness the holy spirit works in us to create holiness to separate us from the evil of the world if the holy spirit dwells in you when you sin you are convicted And the Holy Spirit calls you to confession and repentance. If the Holy Spirit dwells in you, number eight, you will be growing in praise and joy and thankfulness towards God. You have the very desire to worship Him. In fact, when you are away from worship, that feels like you have a longing, there's something missing in your life. If the Spirit dwells in you, you will be growing in prayer. We're going to look at this a little bit down the road in March uh, in Romans 8.26, where we will see that the Holy Spirit leads us in prayer. But you can also go to Ephesians 6.18 and Jude 20 and see that the Holy Spirit leads us in this communication that God has given us to communicate with him in prayer. And then number 10 if the Holy Spirit dwells in you, you will tell others about Christ. You can't get away from this. We are called to be his witnesses. Acts 1.8 says you will receive, this is Jesus prior to his ascension, you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit that will come upon you. And the next part of that sentence its not another whole sentence, it's a Part of the very same sentence, and you shall be my witnesses. You shall be my witnesses. It's pretty clear. The entire book of, the, of Acts is the story of the church and the coming of the Holy Spirit. And God using those people who have the indwelling spirit to tell his story of his son. And we are to do the same with the indwelling spirit. So those is, that's not an extensive list. That is not a comprehensive list. That's just a list that I would give you, one negative, nine positives, to kind of gauge, see, for someone to look at is the Holy Spirit. Am I yielding to the Holy Spirit as God has given me his Spirit in salvation? Let's look quickly at verse 10 and 11 because they are important for us to understand in this indwelling spirit. So in verse 10, we who are in the spirit are still subject to physical death, even though the spirit has given us life. Now in this, this particular uh, verse, and as we uh, look at verse 11 as a part of that, We know that Paul is doing two things. One, yes, as we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we understand that our spiritual life, that we are dead to sin, alive in Christ. We are living out life in this world. But we also know that this physical body is going to die because of the curse of sin, because of the fall of man. This physical body is, is going to die. Death remains the penalty on the human race until Christ comes and consummates his work. The presence of the Holy Spirit demonstrates that believers will not be saddled with weakness or this corruptible body forever. The Spirit gives us life. In this life, it also gives us a conquering of death and resurrection. And so the Holy Spirit, Paul says, will give us life, new life. And then we come to that 11th verse, which gives us such comfort. And that is, but if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. The instant we die, provided Christ doesn't come and call his church in the meantime, the instant we die, our spirit goes to be with the Lord. I can give you scriptures if you want them. Just let me know. But this body is going to decompose. Here's the thing. The instant Christ returns, the scriptures tell us that we will receive resurrected bodies. Bodies that are suited for the new heaven and the new earth. Bodies which are righteous and whole. And Jesus' body after the resurrection was the prototype. Jesus' body, though it was a physical body, was not subject to disease or death or limitations in any way. And that is the body that God is going to give us, this resurrected body. And it doesn't matter if you were burned at the stake, died at sea, blown up in an explosion, cremated, whatever. God is able to give us our resurrected bodies that is perfect and whole in his eyes. Recognizable, new, indestructible. That is what God can and will do. Praise the Lord. Now, without that... Life is pretty grim. Bumper sticker says, Life is tough and then you die. But if you belong to Christ, if you live into these verses, if you live into who Christ has called you to be, if you can say, I belong to Christ and I know it, you have certain hope. And that certain hope is in Jesus who was raised from the dead. And has put his spirit in your body. At the end of his life, the evangelist, great preacher D.L. Moody said this. Soon you will read in the newspaper that I am dead. Don't believe it for a moment. I am more alive than I ever have been. And that is what we can say. Folks, I do not want to hear you say, I think I'm going to heaven. You can be assured. You can know for certain. As you belong to Christ, and Christ dwells in you, you need to claim it, you need to live it, and you need to tell it so that others, as God calls, come to faith, and they too can say, I belong to Christ. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for just in these three verses reminding us that all who have the indwelling Holy Spirit belong to you. We are a part of the family of God and you have called us to yourself. As Bruce said, you have chosen us before we would ever choose you because we wouldn't do that, but by your wooing, by your saving, by Jesus, you have called us and Father, you have given us the indwelling Spirit. May we Acknowledge and say that we belong to you. And we pray, Father, that this victory that you have given us in Christ Jesus, our Lord, would be such that we would proclaim this good news to others. May it be so. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. As we come to the